But I am thankful for the presence of God. The presence of God is always here. Even whenever our health may fail at times, even whenever people around us may fail us at times, whenever our situations or our jobs or our ideas fail us at times, God never fails. He is always faithful. He is always faithful, and he is committed to his church. Amen. So I'm thankful for the presence of God here today. Let's pray this morning as we get started. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, and I pray today, Lord, that as we look into your word, that you would help us to open our ears, and that you would open our understanding to your word. And Lord, I pray that your word would not just fall on our ears or on our minds, God, but we pray that our hearts would be open, and that we would allow your word to sink down deep inside of us and cause us to be changed from the inside out. Lord, that we would take your word with us this week and carry it into our homes, into our businesses, into our schools, into the community around us, Lord, so that not only our lives would be changed, but the lives of those around us would be changed as well. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen, amen. If you would, please turn your Bibles on or open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And as always, if you want to follow along with us today with our, uh, with our sermon and whatever is going on here at Calvary Tabernacle, uh, they'll put a slide up there on the screen for you. You can do that through the Bible app, uh, the Version Bible app. And uh, it's really easy to do, really simple. All you do is the very bottom right-hand button of that app, you click on that. And uh, then there will be another button that says events. You click on that, and it will find Calvary Tabernacle for you. And uh, that's where all the information, what's going on here this week will be, as well as some scripture and other things that you can find helpful for you as well. So we encourage you to do that if you have the means to do so. Uh, We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 today. The title of this message this morning is By Faith. By Faith. This is a very familiar portion of Scripture. Uh, it's, in fact, it's called in a lot of circles the Hall of Faith. It's uh, the Hall of Fame for Bible characters, uh, and it's written right here in the Bible. It's a beautiful portion of Scripture, and I actually want to read most of this chapter this morning. So I know it's a, a le- lengthy portion of Scripture, but I'm not going to apologize for that because that's what we're here for is the Word of God. And so we're going to dive into it and see what he has to say. Hebrews chapter 11. Starting in verse 1, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, someone say by faith. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. 
It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for, his future, for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Wow. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. And it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. And it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed when the people in her city who, ref 
uh, with the people in her city who were refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. We'll stop right there. It was by faith that these men and women lived. But what does that mean? What does it mean to live by faith? What does faith even mean? Well, the very first verse in this chapter gives us a a simple working definition that we can use. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. That is the definition that the church has adopted for this word faith. What is faith? Faith is knowing what you can't see yet. Faith is evidence of what hasn't even happened, what hasn't even taken place yet. But think about this for a moment. When the writer of Hebrews wrote this, he didn't have this definition of faith. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this definition of faith. But where did he get this idea from? He got it from looking at people from their past. Moses and Abraham and Abel and and Rahab and Joseph and all of these great men and women of God. He looked at their examples, the examples from the life that they lived, and drew a conclusion, what is faith? This is faith. That's pretty incredible. Let me set this up for just a moment. Hebrews chapter, or not just chapter 11, but the book of Hebrews is, we assume it's like a letter that Paul wrote to one of the churches. Uh, it's, it's not. It's actually a sermon. It's a sermon that a pastor preached. He wrote it and, and preached it to the Jewish believers, the Hebrews. And it's a pretty long, I don't, I don't know if you've ever read through Hebrews. That's a pretty long sermon. We read through almost one chapter right now, and by the end of it, some of y'all were probably starting to yawn and think about lunch. <laughs> this is a long, a long sermon he preached. I won't carry you that long today. I'll be a little bit more brief than the pastor of Hebrews. Uh, and the pastor of Hebrews was... No one really knows, actually. Uh, <laughs> most people, most Bible scholars believe that it was Paul. Uh, some believe that it was, was Barnabas or maybe even Apollos. Uh, but it doesn't say in the, in the text, it doesn't say who the pastor was that, that preached this message. It, it kind of lines up a lot with Paul's uh, doctrine and, and the way that Paul wrote, but in some areas it's, it kind of throws us for a loop. So we're, we're not really sure who even wrote it, but we know who it was written to and why it was written to them. The Jewish believers at this time were facing incredible persecution. They were being driven from their homes. They were being murdered in the streets. They were being attacked and hunted down like wild animals. And so the pastor writes this book of Hebrews, and the, ti- or the, uh, 
the, the theme of the message is courage. He wants to give the believers courage to keep going whenever oppression and things are pushing back on them. Keep going. Don't give up hope. Don't give up your faith. Think back to these men and women of old, these men and women that we have, we have taken our example from. Think about their lives, the way that they lived, what kind of persecution and oppression they faced, what kind of odds were against them. Consider their life, consider their faith, and pattern your life after it. Have faith in God. Can I encourage you today? We, we had a, a moment of prayer uh, during worship this morning for all kinds of people that are going through all kinds of just devastating situations. It's a fact of life. If you're here, things are going to get tough. Things are going to be hard. They're not always going to be the way that you hoped it, that they would turn out to be. Can I encourage you today? Have faith in God. Live by faith. Live by faith. But today I want to be a little bit more practical in helping us to understand what faith is. And I think to help us understand what faith is, we need to know what faith is not. And so here's point number one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Faith is not blind. Faith is not blind. I heard it all my life growing up in church. Uh, you know, you just, you know, Faith, faith is blind. You just got to believe and trust God even though you can't see him or anything that he's doing. And it sounds good. It, 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 I, I think, though, that it's kind of a lazy answer if we're being honest. As the, can we be honest in church? Can we be honest as God's people? Whenever things don't go the way that we hope they would, we, we just say, hey, just, just live by faith. What does that mean? I don't know. You're not going to know. Don't try to figure it out. Just live by faith. That's kind of a lazy answer, church. I mean, we are real people, and we're going through real problems. And if I look at my Bible and it says something about faith, I need to know what it is. I need to know how to use it. I need to know how this thing works, right? Listen to me. Faith is not blind. It's not blind. Chapter 11, verse 1 says, Faith shows us, it shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith is not just walking around, oh, I hope I don't fall, I hope I don't fall. Faith is taking the blinders off and looking around and seeing, hey, I can see that. I can, I can see this over here. Easton, can you come up here and help me out? I asked Easton before service to help me out with something. Uh, I, I do good with illustrations, so hopefully this will help us out a little bit. Easton, I've got a new set of eyes for you this morning. Would you mind putting this on for you? There you go. Yes. All right. Got a nice little blindfold for Easton here. And Easton, as you saw before you put that on, I've got two dodgeballs in my hands. These dodgeballs are going to represent the promises of God, okay? Now, I'm just going to toss one to you real gently. I want to see if you can catch it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Not real easy to do, is it? Even though I told you what I had, and even though I told you I was going to toss it to you, it's, it's not easy to see. Now, go ahead and take the blindfold off real quick, all right? 
Are you ready? Easton plays baseball. I've got full confidence in this man. Are you ready? Here we go. Yeah, look at it. Y'all give Easton a hand. Thank you so much, Easton. I appreciate it. Good job, man. Thank you so much. I'll need your help here in just a few more minutes, too. I'll call you back up. But that's what faith is. Faith is taking the blindfold off. The Bible tells us that faith is not blind. It's evidence. It's evidence. I like this right here. Listen, can I, can I be real with you today? We've got to stop following God with blind faith. Faith is opening your eyes to see what God wants to do. Can I be real with you today, church? If you don't know what God wants to do, it's not because God isn't wanting to tell you what's, what he wants to do. He's given us a whole book with a lot of pages. Lots of words, lots of stories, lots of examples. He wants us to know this. He wants us to know this book. How can we learn the will of God? By looking right in here. How can we know what God wants to do? By reading the words on these pages right here. And that's what faith is. Faith is saying, hey, I'm going to take the blinders off and see the character of God, see the realities of God and what he wants to do in my life. We've got to stop just walking around like this and calling it good Christianity. That's lazy Christianity, church. We've got to open our eyes to the things of God. Did you know that God wants to speak to you? He does. He wants to speak to you. There have been times in my life where situations would come up or or things would happen or there would be a big decision to make and You know, in those times, you you want to know, you know, God, what is your will? What is your heart? What is your desire for this? And I am the world's worst about assuming what God's desire is for something. If I see a good opportunity, what do we do a lot of times, church? We say, oh, well, God must be in this right here. This is a good opportunity. And we, we, we plaster fancy Christianese on it and say, oh, this, must be, this, this is an open door from God. This must be what he wants for me. Look at this. Oh, God is so good. He has just blessed me and my family. Oh, this is, this is wonderful. What if that wasn't God's blessing for you? What if that, that open door isn't a door that you should be walking through? Listen, we need to know before we take that blind step of faith, we need to know, God, is this your will? Is this what you want to do? Faith is evidence. Evidence of what? Evidence of of things we cannot see. I can't see what you're going to be doing, God, but you can tell me. Ooh, (laughs) you can reveal it to me. You can open my spiritual eyes to see, even though I may not be able to see what's right in front of me. God, you can open my eyes to see your promises. Whenever Easton was up here, I said, these balls are going to represent the promises of God. I want you to notice what it says here in in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. It said, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not, someone say they didn't, they did not receive what was promised, but they saw it. Come on, church. They saw it. They saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. 
obviously people who say such things are crazy, right? That's what the world will say. <laughs> obviously people who say such things are crazy, but that's not what the Word says. Obviously people who say such things are what? Looking forward. They are the people with their eyes wide open. They're looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, the old life they came from, the past that they walked out of, they could have gone back to it, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Church, that's good. What is faith? Faith is looking. Faith is walking with your eyes wide open. Faith is believing God for the impossible. Faith is seeing the promise a far way off and saying, I'm headed straight for there. I am headed straight for that, walking straight to the promise that God has. And I like what he says right here, the, the pastor of Hebrews. He says, they didn't ever receive it, but they saw it. And they welcomed it. That's faith. That's faith. Church, what would happen if you believed God for something, but you never received it? Well, maybe you never believed God for it. Because here's the reality. Even if you don't receive it in this life, come on, church. You can welcome the promises of God in your heart and walk into this next life, into eternity with God, and receive those promises there. Listen, God's promises do not expire when our bodies do. Oh, that's good. God's promises do not expire when your body expires. God's promises are yes and amen. Full stop. Full stop. You can believe in God. You can trust in God. And faith is what opens our eyes to trust in him. Faith is not blind. Faith is seeing. Faith is looking forward. It's knowing and trusting God. And through your intimacy and trust in him, you're going to see things differently. You're going to see things differently. Here's point number two. Faith is reasonable. Faith is reasonable. Often heard it said, you know, faith won't make sense. It won't make sense. Problem is, I don't read that in my Bible either. <laughs> Church, let's be real. We got to get back to the Word of God and see what He has to say about these things that we've always, we've always thought and believed. Listen, faith is reasonable. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand. We understand by faith that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. I shared this with our youth on Wednesday night. I love this verse. If you would just leave it up on the screen for just a few minutes, Taya. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Uh, in case you didn't know, there was not a big bang that created everything. <laughs> In case you didn't know, at least uh, how I read my Bible, the earth that we walk on, this big rock floating around the sun, 
is not billions of years old. We've got an accurate historical account of creation right here. And the Bible says it's by faith that we understand that God was the creator, that this didn't all just happen by chance. Can I ask you this? How can we understand this? Why? I mean, we think, you know, faith is just like, oh, okay, I guess God said it, and so God did it, all right, you know. I mean, if that's how you want to live your life, good for you. I like to think about things, though. I like things to make sense. It helps me when things make sense. I don't know. I guess I'm just a pretty practical person. So what's the evidence? What's the evidence? I was telling our youth, I said, the evidence is literally all around us that this place and we as a people are not just some accident from something that happened billions of years ago. We were created with intention and by design by a wonderful, loving, good creator that knew what he was doing. And he looked down on his work and said, this is very good. So what's our proof? What's our evidence? And I was telling our students, I said, one of the greatest evidences that God created are the laws of morality. Every single human being instinctually knows that it is wrong to murder someone. Instinctually. You don't have to be taught that. You don't have to be an American to know this. This is all over the world all walks of life in every village all across the entire globe, people understand that it is morally unacceptable to end someone else's life. In literally every culture all across the world, there are consequences, either big or small, there are at least consequences for a person that takes the life of another individual. Why? This isn't an American idea it's not even a Western idea. It's instinctual in our hearts. That is wrong. What about the idea of stealing? We know that stealing is wrong. Well, Pastor Sam, there's a lot of people that steal, and they don't seem to feel bad about it. What happened to their instincts? Oh, they, they, they might not feel bad about stealing from you, but if you go steal from them, guess what? All of a sudden... Uh-uh-uh, no, they didn't take my stuff. Oh, I know they wouldn't do that. Mm. They might not feel bad about taking it from you, but if you go take something from them, they know instinctually, no, that's not right. That's not right. That's not the way this is supposed to be. Now, let me ask you, if this is all just some big mistake, this is all just some coincidence, why do we have those laws of morality written on our hearts? Why do we know instinctually that things are wrong or right? It must be because there was someone who wrote that law. There was someone who designed that law. It's got to be our creator God. Otherwise, it's just one big crazy coincidence that literally all the billions of people who have ever lived have the same conclusion of what's right and wrong. <laughs> Whether or not they follow those conclusions we all instinctually know. Not only that, but the laws of nature. We know that gravity says that whatever goes up must come down. I threw that ball over there a minute ago. It didn't just... 
it plunked right on the ground. We played baseball for hours yesterday in a tournament, and there was lots of balls that were hit, and we, we played a, a good travel team from DCAB, and they were smoking the ball in the outfield, but I guarantee you every ball that they hit, it eventually came down. Why? Because it's a, it's a law of nature. We can look at these, I mean, how, how does that come about? How does that happen? Science can try to explain it, but they don't really know. They don't really know why it happens. They know that it does happen, but why? Why does it happen? Well, because we have a creator that said, hey, what goes up must come down. See, faith is saying, hey, this is what, this is what God said, and I can look around and see evidence of it all around me. I don't just have to walk around just blind to the truth. I can trust God's word. Why? Because I can see it around me. I can see God working all around me by faith. Faith is reasonable. Hebrews 11 verse 17 says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Verse 19, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Church, faith is not illogical. Faith is not something that doesn't make sense. Faith is reasonable, and it is rock solid. I love this. Abraham, he didn't, whenever God told him, hey, take your son Isaac, you know the son that, that I promised you and you had to wait so long for. You, you know that guy, the son that I promised you from him, you would have so many descendants that you wouldn't be able to number them. Yeah, that kid, uh, take him up on a mountain and kill him. And Abraham is like, let's do it. Let's go. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad Abraham was not my daddy. Come on, son. We're going up on the mountain. We're going to go worship the Lord. Let's go. They go up on the mountain. Why? Because Abraham reasoned. God is able. <laughs> so many of us, our faith is completely dependent on our circumstances and our situations. Like, God, this is a huge obstacle. I hope you can help me overcome it. Now, this little bitty over here, God, I know you. Help me kick that easy. But I love Abraham. His attitude is this, man, I don't care if it's a mountain or if it's a little bitty rock. God, you're able. You're able. You're able. And even if I do have to kill this promised child that you gave me, you're able to raise him back up from the dead. And it's reasonable for me to believe that. Why? Because you've always been faithful to me, God. Because you've always been there. Because your word has always come true. Because you are always faithful to fulfill your promises. Always. It's not unreasonable for me to believe this. 
God, it's not unreasonable for me to take my child up on a mountain and sacrifice him because I know, God, who you are. Church, that's good. Faith isn't about your circumstance. Faith is about who God is. Who is God to you? Because if you have a little God, then your faith is going to stay little. But if you know, hey, I've got a big God, your faith is going to grow. It's going to get bigger with every season, with everything that, you are, everything that you go through. Abraham reasoned. This word reason comes from the Greek word legitzomai. Legitzomai. Which is actually where we get our root word for logic. Logizomai. Logic. It's logical. This word means to take an inventory, to estimate, to conclude, and to reason. Abraham had faith, and this faith was reasonable. It was a reasonable estimation that God will show up, that God will prove himself faithful. Abraham took an inventory. That's what this word means, to, to take an inventory. Abraham reasoned. He took an inventory. He thought back through all of those moments in his life where God spoke a word and he fulfilled it. God spoke a word and he fulfilled it. God gave a promise and he brought it to pass. God spoke and God did. So if I add one plus one plus one plus one, it's going to equal the right number. I can take an inventory of what God has done and, and conclude with 100% accuracy, surety, that God will be faithful. It's reasonable, church, to estimate that God will be faithful to fulfill his promise. It's reasonable to conclude that God will be gracious and merciful to you. It's reasonable to take inventory of your life and to know that God can be trusted. Mm. Come on. Here's point number three, my last point. You need to hear from God. You need to hear from God. Church, there, there are entire Christian denominations that say that God doesn't speak to his people anymore. That God gave us his word and we can take everything that we could ever need from this word. That part's true. But God still speaks directly to his people too. That has never stopped. I don't read that in my Bible where it says, you know, God was like, ah, let's just give him a book and call it done. God still speaks to us, church. That's exciting, church, that we have a God who lives among us, who lives in us, and we can be in Christ. And come on, church. We serve a God who still speaks. He's not done speaking. I'm not saying that he's writing more to this book this book is good, it's complete, it's whole. But what I'm saying is this, that, that right here, this is God's general will for your life. But God will also speak his specific will for your life too. I've heard it taught like this, that if you want to know what kind of person to marry, you can find that, what that person should look like right here in this book. But if you want to know which person to marry... <laughs> 
you're going to need God to tell you that. <laughs> you're going to need God to, to speak that to you. Can I, can I encourage you today? You need to hear from God. You need to hear from God for your life. Because let me tell you, faith comes by hearing. How are you going to have faith if you don't hear from God? All of these examples of faith that we see in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us of people that heard from God. They heard from God. Hebrews 11 verse 7 says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family, family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. Church, you need to hear from God. Why? Because something may be coming up in your life that you, have, you will have no idea what to do with it. But if you hear from God beforehand, and let me tell you, most of the time, reading through this Bible, most of the time, God spoke before things happened. Most of us Christians, we are so, we, we react to everything. We're reactive. But we serve a God who knows the future. We serve a God who knows our past, who knows right where we are, and who knows where we are going. If we would learn to hear his voice, to hear from God, let me tell you, you're going to have a lot more faith in your life. Why? Because whenever things come up, you're going to be like, I already knew. I already knew. <laughs> God told me. God spoke. God prepared me for this moment. And I can't tell you, listen, this isn't some theory that I have. I know this from experience. There have been times in my life that would have been absolutely crushing to my family, to my heart, to my spirit, if I had not been prepared by God in advance to those times. Sometimes he will prepare you through struggles, but it'll never be a struggle that you can't bear. And sometimes he'll speak to you before the struggle comes so that when the struggle happens, you're like, oh, hey, let's go. Let's do this. Let's get this. <laughs> Almost like, let's get this over with. <laughs> Come on, you need to hear from God. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him. God spoke. God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. God just spoke. And Abraham, with eyes wide open, knowing, said, let's go. I might not know where I'm going, but I know you're good. I know you're powerful. Why? Because you spoke to me. You spoke to me. I heard your voice. Let me say it like this, faith has nothing at all to do with your situation and everything to do with who God is. We need to hear from God. Uh, Julian and Easton, would you all come help me out? I've got a little notepad here for this little illustration. I told Easton, I didn't tell Julian because I wanted him to be so surprised. But I'm going to write on this notepad right here uh, just, just a couple of words. Let's put uh, God's 
word. Would you mind holding on to that, Julian? All right. And I'm going to write on this one, my situation. Can you hold on to that right there, Easton? So, faith tells us that we can trust God, that He's going to be faithful. Now, the problem is, for a lot of us, we're so used to reacting to my situation. My situation is hard. My life is stressful. These things are terrifying. I don't know if I can make it through. And we get so stressed out, so bummed out by our situation. Why? Because we haven't trusted fully in God's faithfulness. Can I say this? Faith has nothing to do with your situation. Faith has everything to do with God's word and who he says he is. We need to learn to take him at his word. Why? Because his word never fails. Now, we know paper. We're all familiar with paper. We live in a digital age, but there's still some paper here around every now and then. We know that paper is a, it's a great tool to have. It used to be a wonderful tool to communicate with, right? Uh, but here's the thing about paper. We know that, that paper is fragile. If you get it wet, it's not good for a whole lot. And we know that paper can tear easy. Easton, would you mind tearing your piece of paper right there? Yeah, just go ahead and just rip it through. Oh, my goodness, that was so shocking. Wow. Easton, I can't believe how strong you must be. That's incredible. It's amazing. You just ripped it in right in half like it was nothing. No one's surprised by that, right? You see Easton up here. That's a strong fella. Of course he can tear a piece of paper. You kidding me? But what if I was to tell you, Julian... You can't tear that. You can't tear God's word. You can't do that. Go ahead, give it a shot. Go ahead, rip it right in two. No, don't, don't pull out your knife. We're not cheating here. Come on, go ahead and tear it. Put something into it, Julian. Come on, rip it up. You got Come on, you... you Use the, come on. Oh, okay, there we go. We had to use the teeth. There we go. Listen, God's word, church, God's word is sure. God's word is everlasting. God's word can be trusted. You can count on God's word. And it may not seem logical. It may not seem to make sense. But if you would choose to look at your life, at your situation, and at the Word of God through the lens of faith, your eyes become wide open to say, you know what? If God told me, then I can trust Him. If God told it might look like I can just rip this thing to shreds, but if God told me they can't be ripped to shreds, I'm just going to believe it. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you all so much. Appreciate your help. You can trust. In God. Thank you. I, I chose Julian because I knew he'd be a wonderful sport. I knew he'd do great, do great at it. You killed it, Julian. And Easton, good job. Well done. 
Most of us, we tend to make faith just about our circumstances. We'll say things like, well, if it's God's will, I guess I'll be healed. Well, if it's God's will, I'll get this job. Or if it's the good Lord's plans, then this will happen. Right? Can I be a little straightforward with you today? If you have not heard from God about something, you probably shouldn't step out in faith. I've heard so many people that have just assumed God's will, like I have done so many times in my own life, and have stepped out in faith, but never heard God speak to them. And sometimes God will tell you to do something that your worldly wisdom will say, that's not going to work. Think about Joshua. God said, you know this huge fortified city called Jericho? Yeah, take you and your people, and y'all walk around the wall on day one. And then on day two, get up and walk around the entire city again. And then on day three, do it again. And then whenever you get to day four, just do it again. And on day five, let's go ahead and round that baby again. And on day six, go ahead and do it again. And on day seven, go round it seven times. And on the seventh time, give a mighty shout. Blow the ram's horn and watch those walls come crumbling down. That doesn't make much sense. We on this side, I mean, I, I'm not trying to, to badger anybody today, but if we're like, yes, yes, yes. If God told you to do that today, you'd be like, no, no, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that don't make sense. That doesn't work. That's not how you tear down your enemy's walls. God, let me help you on this one. Let me get an army together. Let's build siege ramps. Let's get all of our weapons and sharpen them really nice. And then let's go under the cover of the darkness of night. Let's sneak in and we'll take them by storm. God's like, no, nah, just, just take a walk. Take a hike. God, that doesn't make sense. Listen, God may ask you to do things that in your worldly reasoning you're like, oh, okay. But listen to me. Listen to me. Faith is saying, hey, that might not make sense, but I know who my God is. I know who my God is, and I have heard from him. He spoke to me and told me what to do. He gave me the promise, and it might seem foolish according to conventional worldly wisdom but I'm not talking to conventional worldly wisdom. I'm talking to the creator of the heavens and the earth. And if he told me, the one who created this world, what to do, then I can trust him that he will fulfill his word. But church, before you just go out doing something crazy, you need to hear from God. I think so many people think Christians in the church are lunatics. <laughs> And probably because we're acting a little bit like it. 
we're just assuming God's word. No, let's hear from him. And even if it sounds crazy, let's trust in him and believe in him because we know who he is. Would the worship team come forward, please? In order to walk by faith, you need to hear from God. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Faith comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ, church. The good news about who God is and how God loves and how God came to save and redeem and restore and how we as his people should live lives of repentance. We as his people should live lives of grace and mercy and love patterned after that of Jesus Christ. And we do that by hearing his word. First, you need to hear from God. Let me say this. If you have not heard from God, you're not walking in faith. If you are doing something and you have not heard from God, you're probably just walking in a little bit of worldly stupidity. (laughs) You need to hear from God. And sure, God does speak through circumstances, but those are pretty seldom. Most of the time, God speaks through his word. Church, and if you want to know how to overcome any obstacle in your life, you have got to get in this word. This is a good, good book. It's a good book. I've made it up in my mind that every year I'm going to read through the entire Bible at least once. Because it's a good book. And whenever I get to Hebrews chapter 11 and I read about these examples of faith that, that the pastor lists, I think back to those moments where I read through those parts of the Bible where I'm just like, eh, this isn't the most exciting piece of literature. <laughs> but reading through those moments of these people's lives and these details that God has put in the front of the book, It makes the back of the book really come alive. Can I encourage you, if you want to have faith, you need to know this book. You need to get in this book. You need to read this book. And don't just read it because of a circumstance you're in church. A lot of times we'll be going through something and be like, oh, well, I guess I better find a scripture that says something to do about anxiety. Like, Just get in the Word and read God's Word and let Him speak to you through His Word. That that was free advice. That's free advice. Please be free. Here's the thing. If you want to have faith for every situation in your life, you need to know that God will speak to you through his word and God will speak through to you directly. And if you don't know God's voice, then you need to learn it. Faith comes by hearing. If you want faith, you're going to have to hear God's voice. When he speaks, you're going to have to be able to say, this was God. God told me to walk around the walls. And it doesn't make sense, but this was God. Each one of these people listening to Hebrews 11, they heard from God. And in verse 31, it says, It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And this story comes from Joshua. 
Joshua 2 verse 8, it says, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. This is what she said. I know the Lord has given you this land. How does she know that? There's two Israelites in the city of Jericho. Two of them in a well-fortified city. If I'm Rahab and I'm living in Jericho and there are two of my enemies in my well-fortified military stronghold of a city, then I'm not fearful about what's going to happen. But she says this, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. Why? For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. She goes on to say, No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Here's the conclusion that she drew based on what she had heard about Israel. The Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Church, that is what faith will do for your life. Faith will open your eyes, come on, to see not your situation, but past your situation. To see things in the distance. To see the promises of God way out there and welcome them as if they were right now. God, I'm not living based on my situation. I'm not living based on my fears. I'm not living based on my, everyone around me is terrified. Our hearts are melting in fear. But I know who your God is. Rahab says, make an agreement with me. I'll help you get out of here if you promise not to kill me whenever, whenever your God tears the walls of the city down. So the spy said, all right. It's a deal. Rahab, a Gentile woman living in Jericho, her and her family were spared because of her faith. Her faith in God. Church, it doesn't matter your situation. The conclusion that the correct estimate, the right inventory that you could take is that God is faithful and he will do what he has promised he will do. Now I want to give you one little practical thing to do this week and then we're going to stand and worship together. Most of the time when you hear a message about faith, the, the challenge is to do something just outrageously beyond anything that you could think would be possible, right? Like, oh, hey, you know, you might not have the money to give, but, but give $1,000 or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I'm going to ask you to do something even bigger than that today. Are you ready for this? This week, I want to challenge you to take a Sabbath, to rest. Last week during Easter, we talked about the garden and how God created this perfect place of, of peace and rest and fellowship with him. 
And he put Adam and Eve in this garden with the design and the intention that they would live there in harmony with him. It's a beautiful place. And we know what happened. Adam and Eve said, oh, not your will be done, God, but mine. And they took from the tree. They took what didn't belong to them. And what happens? God has to move them out. But then a little while later, Jesus would walk into a garden one night. He would cry out to his father and say, God, it's not my will, but your will be done. Instead of taking the fruit, he's giving his life as an offering of sacrifice. To bring us back into that place of peace and rest with him again. Intimate fellowship with God again. And if you remember in the garden, at the very beginning of Genesis, it tells us that God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, He rested. He rested. I think He rested to give us an example for how we should live. And I, let me take it a step further. I think he, he told us to rest and gave us this Sabbath so that we would learn to trust Him in our American culture especially, I think, we've got this idea that if we're going to succeed, if we're going to win, we're going to have to grind. We're going to have to, to, to every day in and day out, never take a break. But one of the best exercises of faith that you could possibly do is to just rest. Just take a rest. Choose to allow God to take care of of that day, you can work the other six days, go for it. Give, it. give it your best, give it your all. But take one day to rest this week. Take one day to just say, God, I want to spend today in your presence. I want to spend the day in your word. I want to spend the day in prayer. I want to spend the day in worship. And then I want to go outside for a walk. <laughs> and I want to eat my favorite food. And I want to do all of these things that are restful and enjoyable. And I want you to come along with me today as I do. it. And I'm going to believe that you're going to take care of all of the other stuff that's going on in my life. But today, God, today is yours. Church, that could be one of our greatest acts of faith this week. Is just choose to rest in the presence of God. Would you stand with us today? God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your promises. God, that not only have you spoken and not only have you promised, God, but that you have given us the ability to take the blindfold off and to see those promises with our spiritual eyes. God, I pray that we would not become so focused on looking at things with worldly wisdom or with our worldly eyes, God, but that we would choose to rest this week knowing that you are bigger, you are stronger, you are greater than every situation and circumstance that could come up in our lives. God, I pray that we would learn to see with your wisdom and with your understanding, God, that we would understand that faith is not unreasonable or illogical, God, but that faith is practical in the kingdom of God, that we can choose to live by faith, Lord, that we as your people would be a people that are marked by our faith in you, Jesus. We love you, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name.